Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. Uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 through 20. When you get there, say amen. Boy, y'all fast. Y'all fast. Used to, I'd ask who all, yeah, in times past, and, and maybe in a different church, I'd ask everybody bring your Bible. How many of y'all know them people hold up a songbook? Yeah, they'd hold up a songbook. That don't work. It don't work. It don't work. The Word of God says this in Matthew 8, verses 19 and 20. The Word said, And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said unto him, the foxes have holes, and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we adore you. We do. We're so thankful, so thankful coming to you in the precious name of Jesus, your Son and our Savior. I'm thankful for your word tonight. Boy, and Jesus, you were really speaking something there at this point, and I pray just release it tonight. Let us know where your home really is. We love you, Jesus. Do what you do. And everybody said amen and turn to somebody and say, where do you call home? Where do you call home? Where do you call home? Well, if it were Amy and I, it's been at least 13 different places. And uh, I've shared that, I don't know, countless times, a lot of times. And uh, we've moved 13 times. She says we're not going to move again. I think it's up for debate. But, but anyway, we know we're going to move at least one more time. How many of you are thankful that you know you're going to move at least one more time? That we're going to move from this earth to his glory. Amen. We're going to be there with him. I'm so thankful for that. I love hanging out with you all. But, man, I can't wait to hang out with Jesus. So the thing tonight is where do you call home? And when Jesus begins to say this, he he said, for the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head. And when Jesus came in the simplest of forms, he didn't come to build a structural church in the way that we know church. He wasn't interested in the temple in that regard. He knew what the purpose was of the Father for him to be sent so that he could reside within us. So that he, or excuse me, that we could be called his home. I'm, I, this is really where I started on this process, and I began to think about the different homes that he visited. I began to think about each one of those homes being different in Scripture. I don't have all of them, I don't think, but I've got a few of them. When Amy and I, when we're, uh, we get to go on vacation, when we do that, many times when you'll see somebody, uh, maybe from somewhere else, of course, when you're on vacation, and you'll say, where do you call home? And they may say Tennessee, they may say Texas or wherever. But I guess if I'm asked that question today, where do you call home? I'm living in a house right now, and it is a home that God has made for me and my family, but it's not my final home. It's not my final home. 
I begin to think and process this, and I begin to think about a balanced home. I, I begin to think about this piece of scripture. If you want to turn with me, a little bit of a Bible study tonight in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. The word of God said, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her that she would come help me. Hello, church people. Come on now. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which should be taken away from her. I'm going to tell you this, that when we begin to look at Jesus in our own life, and I think about this passage of Scripture with Mary and Martha, you're going to, of course, Lazarus is their brother. When you look at Scripture, you're going to find that there was something different about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. That when you begin to process that, you'll see that in, when it speaks of it in John, it says the one that you loved. Your friend Lazarus is sick. You know what? Outside of John saying that upon himself, there's something different there. And Jesus made their place, I believe, a place where he was there many times. Many times. If you're writing, if you're taking a note, this is something for me. Where do you call home? And talking about this within our house, you need to have a balanced home. Now, when I talk about a balanced home, and that's even talking about the house of God, that we need to understand that we need to have a Mary and a Martha in the house. Because can I tell you something? We all can't be worshipers. Because you all are crybabies. And here's the deal, that if everybody cried and there wasn't no tissues, somebody would be in trouble. There's got to be a Martha in the house. But there's got to be balance. That when Martha came and said, Jesus, don't you care? Go in there and tell my sister that, hey, I'm in here cooking. I'm adding to in this way just to say I'm doing all this stuff. Jesus is here. Come on. Tell her. And he says, no, hold on just a minute. She has done that needful part. She's worshiped him. And you know what? You, when I say have a balanced house, you're going to have to find this in your own life, that there's a balance between serving and worshiping. And when God begins to bring that hybrid through the power of the Holy Spirit into our life, man, you've got a Christian that I'm telling you, man, that can fight hell. Hallelujah. That they know their place in serving because if there's people that don't serve, then can I tell you something? We don't get done what God has intended for us to get done. What does it look like? It looks like hitting the streets. It looks like telling people about Jesus. It looks like preparing things, loading trailers, all of those things, the community coming together in that aspect. And all of that is needful, but we can't neglect worship. We can't neglect worship. And when Jesus says she's found that needful part, and she's chose that, and that shall not be taken away from her. There's times in my life that I probably tend a little bit more to, to, to I don't know, it depends on, what's going on but if I'm not careful I can overload to the serving side and miss the worshiping side I love to worship I love to get into his get into his presence I love to lift my hands in the courts of the Lord I like man when I get there and there's a difference between just a tear and those hot tears and as Jesus is expounding I don't know what he was teaching but it was enough to draw the Mary out and to bring her to him 
you're going to find that, that this is truly a mark of a Christian is that we must serve. We must serve. It is a true example, and it's part of the fruit. That when you think about the fruit, that when people are, look, we talked about this Monday in Hope Group, but truly the proof and the testimony are two things that go together when we talk about building faith in those things. People want to see people today that truly prove it out by the fruits that are in their life, and that's serving in that capacity and having that compassion like Jesus did to do that. And yet at the, at the same time, being at his feet, realizing who he was. Mm, I struggle with that at times. I really do. I want to talk about another house. Go with me to Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. This is after Jesus has healed blind Bartimaeus. And if I can, I, I just want to touch a little bit on blind Bartimaeus because that story always just moves me in such a way because I see so much of his life even in my own. That before I get to Zacchaeus, so they're at Jericho. Jericho is the lowest, considered the lowest city on earth. It is below sea level. I forget by how many feet, but it's the lowest place on earth. And geographically, but also for the people just like Bartimaeus that find themselves blinded by whatever that it may be. He had a physical blindness about him. But today we see so many people that are blind in different ways where they're spiritually blind. Amen? There's people that are emotionally blind. What are you talking about emotionally blind? It's because how many of you have been so angry that you couldn't see anything but rage? How many of you have ever been so jealous that you couldn't see anything but that rage of jealousy? And see, those are things that happen. And I'm just paraphrasing a lot of this, but real quick, just in, in, in Jericho, in the Jerichos of our life, we I always like to look at Bartimaeus because, you know, as Jesus is passing by, he's hearing the noise, and he says, who is that? And they said, oh, that's Jesus of Nazareth. And he could have just sat there and let Jesus pass by. But, oh, he didn't. He cried out, Jesus, thou son of David. I think many times what happens in our life is that we're afraid to cry out, really afraid because other people want to hush us or shush us. By the way, I, I got this word in, in part of my prayer time here within the, just, just the past week or two. How many of you believe that we need intercessors? People that will stand in the gap. That's the reason that we're praying, we're fasting, we're interceding, we're in the gap for lost souls and for people that their marriages and for addictions to be broke. Can I just stop right now and say I still believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask, mm, than we can even ask or think. Anybody else on the same page with me tonight? And I believe that, listen, that if the people of God would begin to call out and cry out to God, I believe that not only can we continue to experience the revival that we may be having personally, but I believe that it can sweep all across the United States of America and lost people can get saved. And I believe that. I believe that. And so that intercessor, what we've got today is that you've got people that were in Jesus' entourage, if you will, that are walking with him and they try to shush him. I call them inner shushers. You're always going to have people, Stephanie, you'll want to hang on to that, but you'll have people in your life that will want to shush you. Can I tell you something? I don't know about you, but I know about me. There was a time in my life where nobody else could keep me quiet because I needed Jesus more than I needed anything else. See, when we get that hungry for God and when you get desperate enough for God and listen, when you realize that Jesus is coming by, you'll want to do anything that you can to stop Him. 
Bartimaeus, getting up, took off his beggar's cloak. And that's always so picturesque to me that he took off that beggar's cloak that I've preached about countless times and he left that behind when they said, Behold, he calleth thee. I like to see that. I've seen that a whole lot of Sundays. I like seeing it on Wednesdays also when people leave the beggar's cloak behind them and they come to Jesus because they know they're going to be changed. I love it. I love it. This next piece of scripture talking about the house of Zacchaeus. The word of God says that Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was of little stature. This is the Sunday school lesson you had when you were a child. And he ran before and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. I want to talk just a little bit about the heart that Zacchaeus had. I see this so many times in church, and I've seen it countless times, once again. It's how that people won't get out of their seat and how that they'll let other people block their view of who he is. Turn to somebody and say, you need to start looking over some people. What happens in your life and worship people have to be very careful as do pastors and preachers because if they're not careful, they'll start reading the crowd instead of listening to the Holy Ghost. And you know what he did was so powerful here, Sue, in the fact that, you know what, he wanted to see Jesus so bad. And I don't know whether it's the notoriety, I don't know whether it was the fame, I don't know what it was at this point, but I know where we're going to end up, okay? And we're going to talk about Jesus getting to his house. But this is the part that he did that. And you know what? He didn't run around. He got up higher. Say, you got to go up higher. If you're going to get a good view of Jesus, you got to leave people and come up higher. And when he did this, he got to a place, and you know what he didn't do, Dax? He didn't go over this way. He got in the path to where Jesus was coming. When you get in the path of where Jesus is coming, Lord, this is what changes our life. Well, where's the path where he's coming? Get to people that are in need. Get to the people, the Word of God says that He came to seek and to save that which is lost. That if you really want to get to where Jesus is coming, by the way, He's still saving souls. He's still raising the dead. He's still healing marriages. And he's still breaking addictions. Amen? But if you really want to get in the vein, if you want to get, listen, get in the way of Jesus. Get to a place to where you can see him and let's rise above the people in such a way to where we get to where he's at. And so many times people leave disillusioned with church because they come to church for a change and sadly enough we the people so many times don't present him as he should be presented wow he ran before and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way I want to get in the lane where Jesus is coming to and through and he did that he knew where he was coming the word said when he, Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. 
And 6 through 10 begins to tell of how Zacchaeus' life began to change. How things happened that when Jesus came home, this, by the way, is the house where you make things right. Where you make things right. When Jesus come in, I think the conviction through the power of who he was and as the crowd is saying, look at Jesus, he's going to the tax, and not just a tax collector, he's going to Zacchaeus' house. You all know we hate him above everybody else. And he is going to his house. Zacchaeus didn't let the crowd stop him. The next thing that he did is he obeyed Jesus when he came down. And he didn't keep him from going home with him. He didn't keep him from going home. You know, can I tell you something? You can say that you make things right with God, and you may, if you make it right in church, it should be made right at home. But what happens so many times, no quicker than from here till the time that we get home, we make things right here, but we don't make them right at home. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to consider that tonight. That Zacchaeus said this. He said, you know what? I'm going to give back. I know that my life has been filled with extortion. I know that my life has been this way and that way. And I'm going to give it back. I forget whichever fold that it was. But he wanted to make things right. When you have a true encounter with Jesus, it don't stay in church. It goes home with you. And that's when Jesus begins to abide in your soul and in your life. Making things right. Making things right. I'll go to the next one. This is probably my favorite. I don't know. They're all my favorites. Go to Luke 24 with me. I'll wait on you. Verse 27. So I've got a house of balance. That when Jesus comes into our life, we've got to balance that. Now I've got to make things right. I'm doing that. We just look at the house of Zacchaeus where he came there. And this one here is after the resurrection of Christ. In Luke 24, verses 27 through 33, and beginning, talking about these two guys that were on the road to Emmaus. And the word said, and at the beginning, at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures all these things concerning himself. They drew nigh unto the village where they went, and he made as though he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's toward evening. And the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And the word said he came home with them. And it came to pass, and he said it meet with him. He took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and gave to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And this next piece of Scripture which most of us remember. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened up the scripture? And they rose up the same hour, returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 gathered together and them that were with them. Guys, this is, this is one that for me is so important. There should be a kindred fire when we get around other Christians that when we open up the scripture and we begin to talk about who he is, I know this is teaching tonight, just want you to give us some points to ponder. It's about him being in here. This is the heartburn house, by the way, if, if I'm going to title it anything. It's the heartburn house. 
But when I hear other people, and, and whether it be Jake preaching or, or someone else, I, I hear that it begins to steer the coals of my soul and the embers of my soul. I'm not saying that there's not already a fire there, but it stokes my flame. It does that, Charlie, when I hear somebody talk about the goodness of God. I'll share this with you. I talked to Pastor Chris Fugate, and if you remember, he's the one that I told you on Sunday that he was just so willing in the midst of the flood. He said, Pastor, he said, I believe God's going to shake these mountains, and I believe that the Lord's going to send me revival. How many of y'all remember that? You remember that? I talked to him Monday, and through once again, through a broken voice, and him holding, and I guess he was teared up. I know it. I'd already started when he started. And he said, Pastor, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, we had five people saved yesterday at church. Can we give God praise for that? You see, that sometimes God will allow those things to happen. And he said, remember a guy named John. So I want you all to remember a guy named John. That first said, I don't need that. I'm an atheist. I'm this. I'm that. And it just so happened that he had a conversation with a young lady there on Sunday afternoon. That just so happened to be John's stepdaughter. And John's stepdaughter got saved on a Sunday afternoon. And what happened that that was enough of something to prick John's heart. And John was back in church on Sunday night. Can we give God some praise? But see, this is the thing. That, that, doesn't that just stir your soul? Doesn't that just stir you up when you hear about somebody that gets delivered off of drugs? Doesn't it just stir your heart when God does the miraculous that only he can do? And that when the enemy throws every fiery dart that he can and he'll allow for this to happen and that to happen and then somebody said, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. You see, I, don't, I, I just haven't got tired yet of hearing everything and anything that my God can do. I'm tired of hearing about what hell and the power that hell is having over the Christian's mind in the name of Jesus tonight. Give no place to the devil and let's get some victory in the house of God. That when it comes back and we have that within us, pastors, man, that are on fire for God come in in a congregation that is as, as wet as it can be not through the tears, but as, as wet and as damp and just tries to throw any type of wet blanket on any fire that the preacher has can I tell you, preachers, real Holy Ghost filled preachers are tired of it they're tired of being the fire in the church when everybody should walk through the door and have the fire of God in their soul and then expect for a blaze to happen when we get in here on Sunday morning to where God is made alive again. I don't know if I want that kind of God. You choose what you want. I'm going to take the God I know. The God that's still a consuming fire. And the thing is, I don't, I, I don't know what you mean. Heart's burning within us. I still love hearing the miracles of an almighty God. I love it. And we'll walk with the world and wonder why we don't feel the fire. I'll remind you that friendship with the world is enmity with God. I just like to see some people get on fire again. This done steered me up. And not just get on fire. What about somebody staying on fire? Instead of counting on somebody else. Oh, if, 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 if Jake sings that one song, I'll dance. If, if Jenny does that one, oh, mm. 
What about if they don't do nothing? You just come in fired up and ready. What happens if the sound goes out but Jesus goes on? Huh? <laughs> Jake has learned one thing out of 20, well, not, yeah, out of 25 years. He's learned this. We've learned this together and collectively. What happens if the sound don't work? What happens if this don't work? What happens if that don't work? That don't mean God can't work. Turn to somebody and say, we got to do what we do. That's as simple. Heath, how many times you heard it? And get to the place to where, and believe, can I tell you something? I'm going to say this again. Believe every time that we come into the house of God, I don't care if it's a prayer meeting, a hope group, I don't care, Charlie, I don't care if it's Sunday morning, Wednesday night, I don't care, but come believing that somebody needs to be saved, somebody needs to be delivered, a marriage needs to be restored. Come believing every time that somebody needs a miracle and bring your Jesus so that it can happen. I was reminded, I hope I can get it out again. I was reminded about this thought. Holy Spirit shared with me several months back. He said, preach like it's the first time anybody has ever heard it and preach like it's the last time that they'll hear it. When you can come to those simple points in your life, Shannon, and believe that God is almighty and can change. Listen, church, I'll tell you what we need. Today we need for God to break our will so that His will can come forth and move in these last days. God, steer our hearts. Steer our hearts. Steer our hearts. The next house is why it doesn't happen. Turn to somebody and say, you need the heartburn house. The next one is what? This is what we deal with most of the time. I've taught on it. I've, I've said something about it just even here a while back. It's Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 38. One of the Pharisees desired that he would eat with them. And he went into the Pharisee's house and he sat down to meet him. Behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. And when she knew that Jesus was at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Simon saying within himself, I'm paraphrasing, prescriptional going to this. Simon saying within himself that if this man were a prophet, he would have known what manner of woman that she is. This is the reason a lot of people stay out of church. It's because you got a critical spirit. I'll guarantee you there's not one person in this place. Let me say this. I'm going to suppose tonight that there's not one person in this place that you can't say that there's not been somebody that has done you wrong on your own estimation. Turn to somebody and say, you need to get over that. I don't know if y'all know it or not, but you're going to church with sinners Watch. How many of you could agree, according to the Word of God, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God? How many of you could declare tonight by saying amen that I have sinned? That puts us all on the same level playing field. 
Every Sunday that you come in here, there's people that come in here, you don't know it, they're hiding it with, with a tic-tac or with something else, but they're hiding the alcohol on their breath from the night before. You don't know it, but somebody's coming in here high almost every Sunday. <gasps> what kind of church are you going to? The kind where Jesus would have the freedom to preach and where Jesus would have the freedom to save souls. I don't know if I can go to that church. You may need to start looking. I've said this before. That does not give the Christian any excuse to be high, drunk, or anything else. This is nothing new to you. I preach it all the time. If you think it's just for you, why don't you get that off of me and let the Holy Ghost start working on your life and you'll get some real... You get some real change. <laughs> I'm going to tell you all right now, if you think for one minute that I've arrived and when Holy Spirit tells me, just absolutely reckon me for His purpose and His glory. Do I like it? No. Do I need it? Yes. Because what is happening is that the further along we go, He is preparing us to meet Him. He is preparing us for His glory. We Listen, can I remind you that no flesh will glory in His presence. People are like, I don't know if I want to go to church there again. When I leave, I feel rotten. Could it be that no flesh glories in His presence? Could it be that that's the smell of rottening flesh in your life? Y'all are like, it's Wednesday night, preacher. Could it be? <laughs> if, he, if he were a prophet, he was much more than a prophet. He was Jesus, the Son of God. He was, he was the one, him, Holy Ghost, and the Father in which we are created and in their image. Whew. He was the fourth man in the fire. I believe he's the one that clammed the lion's mouth shut. I believe he and Holy Ghost were the ones blowing on the very wind of being the very wind that blew back the Red Sea Todd for them to walk across on dry ground. Well, Pastor, that's a lot of good stories. I ain't even got to mine yet. He's the one that brought me to a morning that I didn't really care that if I ever seen. He's the one that when hell said there's no way for your marriage to work, he's the one said that it will work. And I'm going to bless you. Hallelujah. If he were a prophet, he would have known that this woman is a sinner. <laughs> and Jesus said, I've got something to say to you. He was thinking it, but Jesus was knowing it. And that ought to be a clue to you that when you think it, Holy Ghost is already knowing what you're thinking. And that's the reason that when you're thinking it, you need to take captive of that thought in Jesus' name and through the power of the blood of Jesus and not get it any room to take root in your life and destroy your mind and destroy your family. I'm pointing a lot tonight. It must mean business. Stood his feet behind him weeping. Began to wash his feet with tears. All of this going on. People are going to think what they want to think. But this is very odd to me. I thought, would I have the boldness to do that? I think I do. It takes something. 
Brenda, it takes something. I, I watch as people struggle in the back. I, I, I watch as, as that once we, I say, you know, Jay, get a song ready. Jenny, get a song ready. Or as I say, hey. And when it starts, here's the thing, is that when altar call, when altar call starts, when we should be praying, we start shutting down. Can I just preach to the body tonight? And when we should be praying, when we should be praying with everything that's in us as intercessors for that person that's in front of us and we don't know where they are with Jesus, we should be praying, God, move them. God, do what you do. God, I'm just believing that you're going to move mightily. And we should be praying at that point. Instead, what I see is people, click, click, time to go. Am I right? Am I right? Let me tell you this. You think about it. And listen, I, I, don't, I don't preach for your glory. And God's helped me not to preach for mine. Did you hear what I just said? That's how real Holy Ghost is with you. God is jealous of His glory. But I'm going to tell you this. When they begin to file out, you're talking about a moment you've got to stay focused. You know how many times I've wanted... I, can I... I'm going to be real with y'all. You know how many times I've wanted to throw this mic in my flesh and bean one of them upside the head? Really, not that many. <laughs> but I've wanted to throw the mic. And we get to a place, guys, and we can't wait to get out. But what about those people, man, that linger in his presence and weep at his feet? I understand if you got to go. I've been there and done that. Did you hear me? I've been there and done that. But at one time, I'd like to put this mic in your hand and let you speak and let them watch. And you're speaking on God's behalf and you've got something real to say that you believe. And you wonder how their week's going to be. By the way, if anybody's watching online tonight, you can receive that too, just like we're going to get it tonight. Turn to somebody and say, is he talking to you? I know you don't want to, but I'm telling you right now. That's one thing I love about the bridge. The bridge up there on 34 Webmill Road, man, it's, it's, it's like a cracker box. The thing, and I, I don't mean that wrong. You get in there, man, you write in somebody's face. You can't, you can't, you cannot. Am I right? It's just right there, Jack. I want God's presence surely to come in in such a way that immediately when he comes in, the house shrinks and everybody feels alone with God. Wow. Wow. I'm almost done. She didn't stop. Jesus goes on to elaborate. He, said, he says this to him. He said, you gave me no kiss when I come in, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. What if we come in to the house of God kissing his feet on a Sunday morning? What if we come in the whole time with an attitude of worship instead of just waiting to come to his feet when we needed this in our life or that in our life? I'm almost done. I know y'all can't take much more. Stay with me. And he said this, 
He said, my head with oil you didn't anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, now listen to me, wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. I've been forgiven a lot of stuff. I've heard from people before that said, you know what, I don't have a testimony. I, or much of a testimony. I, I wasn't on drugs. I wasn't an alcoholic. I, I ain't on my 15th marriage, you know, or whatever. That I don't know what they say. But they'll say, I don't have a testimony. I, I've, I was brought up in church. I got saved when I was ever how old. And they say, I don't have much of a testimony. Your testimony is just as powerful as the person that did any or all of that. It's the fact that Jesus Christ paid the price for your soul the same way that he did for the thief, the murderer, the adulterer, or anyone else. It took the same Jesus to pay the same price. But where are the people that are grateful anymore in a heart of gratitude that said, I can never repay him. He's done so much that even if he hadn't done all of those things, he's done so much. Pastor, what kind of house is it? It's a religious house. It's a house of religion that Simon the Pharisee had here. And religion will blind you to the very need and the very core of true worshipers and people that love Jesus. Wow. Wow. Almost done. And he said unto her, not him, he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that said it meet with him begin to say within themselves, oh, Wait, well, we've got a problem now. Who is this man that forgives sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Jake, I'm going to need you to pedal for me if you could. I don't know. I always, I, I, you know, when we, when you hear people say this, I'm wrapping this up, but we hear people say this. When I get to heaven, I, I want to talk to Paul. You know, Julie, we hear that. I want to talk to Paul. I, I want to, what about, what about this one? I want to sit down with this one. And I, I've said this lately. I want to say it again because it's meaning something to me right now. I want to sit down with these people that don't have a name. I want to know. What got into you, girl, that you had the boldness to go in to that house of religion of Simon? What got into you? What prompted you? Are y'all, do y'all do that? Sharon, I know you do. Marianne, I know you do. I'm going to say, what did he do? I don't know how the story unfolds, but maybe it's something this simple, Heather. Maybe it's something as simple as I met him in the alley. And I could immediately see that his eyes gave me worth. I could immediately see that he didn't look me up and down like, stay with me, I'm going to preach something. He didn't look me up and down. He looked me in the eye. What did he say? There's more. I don't know. But something prompted her to come. 
And when everybody else was looking at her and all these things, Jesus already knew her. There wasn't a person in that room that he didn't know and he didn't know their thoughts. Preacher, why are you telling me that? Because there's not a person in this room tonight that he don't know your thoughts. And you may think you know your thoughts, but he knows your destiny. And depending upon your thoughts, and if you'll let God's will begin to move in your life, you can, you can change, man. Can you imagine what would happen in this city? There's always going to be people. I coupled this with it the other day. Is that when the Mary that I spoke of earlier, that when she's there later in life and she's anointing Jesus for his burial, Judas, I think it was Judas. Wow, this waste. We could have sold that man for so much. We got to eat. She's lavishly pouring it out on him. Some people will see waste. Jesus sees your worth. Do you hear me? There's going to be times in your life where your hands are going to be lifted and that sweet anointing is going to roll out of your eyes. And some people is going to look at you and say, what are you, what are you doing? What do you do at every Sunday? But there's something in those tears. Almost done. Almost done. Turn to somebody and say, where do you call home? I think my question is this and this is more of a I don't know it's here it's tonight but I wrote this down are you taking them home with you most everyone would say yes but what are you going to do with him when you get home are you going to put him away till Sunday is he no more than a trinket is he is he no okay let me move on I'm asking you are you taking him home with you because see this started Jesus had no place to lay his head the foxes have holes, the bird has nests. But I believe that Jesus Christ, the Creator, lives on the inside. And any good that I would ever hope to attain or any righteousness that I could ever know wouldn't be on a message that I preach or one I'm going to preach. But all of my righteousness is in Him. He's living in here. I wrote this down. I actually typed it. Are you taking him home with you? If that's a no, then he ain't taking you home with him. If that's a no, then he ain't taking you home with him. And my last point, are you a homebody? past situation over two or three years has really allowed some people to be homebodies they put on their onesie and, and many times they put on their onesie and their house slippers and oh this is comfortable this is good but Jesus didn't do that he got out and he met the public and he loved and he greeted and he encouraged I'm not here to beat anyone down but I'm telling you it's time that we make a difference it's time we make a difference for Him. Are you a homebody? Here's why. 
2 Corinthians 5, 6 and 8, Therefore we are always confident of this very thing, or knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Live your life in such a way that when you die, people have no doubt. I say this a lot. It's all too evident that if you're not here, people should know that, hey, they're at home. They're at home. They're at home. I'm done. Lord, I love you so much. And Holy Spirit, tonight, I just pray that you convict. I, I pray that you move in a way. And <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit, for steering my soul. I can declare I'm not alone. You said you'd never leave me or forsake me. I want to declare tonight and lift your name up to say that you're right there at the right hand of the Father right now making intercession for any soul in this place. God, I think tonight there'd probably be a few that would say, set me on fire, Lord. Rekindle the flame within my soul. Don't let me be ashamed of the tears. God, tonight, where do we call home? It's there with you. <laughs> Jesus, you are my home. So, Lord, tonight, if there's one away, do what you do. God, tonight, let us gather in around this altar as intercessors. God, praying, God, for a continued revival in the souls of so many. I hear so much, God. I'm thankful for what you're doing. But, God, where, where it's not started, start one tonight in the soul, God, of any believer in this place or somebody watching online. God, convict us in such a way that we would leave nothing undone. I'm a good Catholic. I'm a good Methodist. Throw it out the window. Are you saved by the blood of Jesus Christ? Right now, are you walking in the direction of your church? But listen, are you living a lie outside of here? Let Holy Ghost do what he's going to do. But the rest, come on, let's pray. Let's intercede on behalf of this nation. You know that this nation needs prayer more today than it ever has. The very things that we hold dear and true are definitely being tested. I'd want to believe that if somebody were to ask Jesus, where do you call home? 
I would want to believe that each and every one of you could say right here. Right here. I want to encourage you. Don't let anyone, don't let anybody keep you away from him. Don't let anything keep you from him. Don't, don't you spend a minute, don't you spend any piece of time worrying. Don't you spend any piece of time fretting. Don't do it. Don't spend a second complaining. Don't send another, don't spend another second with a critical spirit. Hey, everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King. Thank you.